We're in a series right now called The, the Name, and we've been looking at the four names of Jesus from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And there are four names that this prophecy, this is 700 years before Jesus ever came on the scene. And 700 years before Jesus came on the scene, there was a prophecy about Jesus, and we see it in Isaiah 9. These people are in a dark place themselves. Things aren't going well. They're a bit disappointed with God. And you've got this one little glimmered hope of a verse that comes into play, and we're going to read it together. But before we do that, um, you should have gotten some notes when you walked in. Did you get some notes? Wave them around if you got them. Let me see them. Good deal. Good deal. I think we let our kids got notes too. You can participate. If you're online, you can jump in and do our online notes that we have there. But let's read this together. We're going to read Isaiah 9, 6. And I'm going to invite all of you to actually read the whole verse with me. It's one verse. We're going to read it all together. So come on, with your best scripture voice you got, read it with me. Good clearing of the throat. Ready? Here we go. Isaiah 9, 6 says this. For to us... And to us, a son is given, and the government shall be, and his name shall be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That's where we're going today. We've been looking at the other three the last three weeks. Today, we're looking at this one right here, Prince of Peace. Now, let me tell you what the Hebrew word for Prince of Peace is. It's these two words right here. Sar Shalom. Everybody say that with me. Say, Sar Shalom. Sar meaning Captain Commander Lord. Now, when they translated the Hebrew word, they translated, unfortunately, into prince. But it really probably should not have been prince. It should have been actually Captain or Commander Lord King. That's what it actually should have been. A, a one who is in incredible authority and power. And then peace is this word where we get shalom. If you've ever been in a Jewish culture around Jewish people, they'll say things like shalom. It is a greeting that they give to one another. Or when they're leaving, shalom. Peace be with you. Who grew up Catholic in here? Peace be with you. And peace be with you. Right. And also with you. What you're actually saying is may wholeness and completeness, may you lack nothing in your life. Really, when we don't have peace in our life, it's really because of the fact that we're, we're lacking something. Something's missing. Something's broken. Something's not right. If you feel like, man, I just don't have any peace in my life, there's probably because there's something in your life that's not right. It's not there. And when we celebrate Jesus as the prince of peace, it really should be the king or the commander or the Lord of peace, of shalom, of wholeness that God desires for us to have wholeness and completeness that we can find in him. Now, if we fast forward from Isaiah 700 years, we get to Luke chapter 2, which is the story that we all know, the Christmas story, the story of the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2 is the most detailed um, part in all of Scripture that talks about the birth of Jesus. So if, you, if you've got your Bible, you can go there. And these people are also discouraged and in a dark place, God hasn't spoken to them for 400 years. You know, when you read the Old Testament, you get to the last book, which is Malachi, and then you get to Matthew. And oftentimes we can think that it's just the next thing. That one page from, from Malachi to Matthew, we think, oh, that's probably just the next week. There's actually a 400-year gap between those two books. And for 400 years... God didn't say a word to them. So they were living in incredibly dark times. 
Hey, listen, if you ever think that, that you're being disappointed by God, let him not talk to you for 400 years. That'd be pretty discouraging. That'd be pretty disheartening. And here we are, the first time we hear from God, he sends an angel to come and to the most unlikely people. Anybody know? Shepherds. And, he's, and this angel declares to the shepherds this verse. Here we are in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you. Everybody help me. I proclaim what? Good news of, of great joy. 400 years, you haven't heard anything. That's some pretty bad news. And the first time that the angel shows up on the scene, he says, I've got some good news. I can only imagine these people, these shepherds are like, it's about time. We need some good news. He says, this good news, though, is going to bring some incredible great joy that will be for all people. And today in the city of David, a Savior was going to be born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord, the anticipated one. All these prophecies you have in the Old Testament. Here's the moment. And this will be a sign. The next verse says, this will be a sign for you, and you're going to find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Look at the next verse. It says this, and it says, And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and... Come on, we're going to do that again. Glory to God in the highest and... Peace on earth. Peace on earth to people he favors. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Now, when I think about the birth of Jesus... I can't think of anything less peaceful. The birth of Jesus was absolutely not peaceful at all. Now, I want to do something. I want to invite all of you and those that are watching online to join me in putting on your imagination caps with me for a moment. When I read scripture, one of the things that I love to do is I love to put myself into the story of scripture. I think sometimes when we read books or we read, we read things, we can often kind of detach from it and think, you know, that was them, that's not really me. And one of the ways I like to personalize scripture is to imagine being there in the moment. You know, Mary and Joseph, or Mary and, and Mr. Mary, as uh, we just saw <laughs> earlier, Mary and Mr. Mary, aka Joseph, how many of y'all know they were normal people like you and I? They had goals, they had dreams, they had plans. And I want you to imagine for a moment what it was like for Joseph when he was going to propose to Mary. All of us in here, if you're married, you've had this happen to you before. If you're single, you're thinking about what this day is going to be like and figuring out that this proposal, how this proposal is going to go. So imagine he whisked her off to some nice, you know, Galilee beach and puts, gets down on a knee and proposes to Mary you're the, you're the woman I've always dreamed of. And here we are. They've now got to go and make the announcement to their family. How many of you remember, for those that are married, how do you remember when you, when you made the announcements to your family that you were getting married or when you were having your first baby? Y'all remember those days? Like, I remember when Lindsay and I were married and we found out that Lindsay was pregnant with our first child, our first one, Josiah. And I remember we were all super excited. This has been, we've been waiting for this moment when Josiah would be born and uh, that we would be pregnant. And so I remember we went to my, my mom and grandma's house and we were gonna tell them, like, you're gonna be grandparents and great-grandparents. And so we're going there and we're going, hey, we've got something we wanna share with y'all. And my grandmother, no lie, says, can we, can we talk about it after Will of Fortune? <laughs> I am not making this up whatsoever. I had to sit through an episode of Will of Fortune 
I was buying vowels and getting consonants and figuring out things. I mean, like, and then she's like, okay, what do y'all got going on? I'm like, what's up? And then we finally told her what was going on. That's now a running joke in our family that uh, we've got to watch Wheel of Fortune. Now Josiah loves Wheel of Fortune. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. But I, can you imagine Mary and Joseph going to her parents? We're getting married. And then they go on to Mr. Mary's parents. We're getting married. And then what do you do when you're engaged? You plan a wedding. You plan the ceremony. You figure out all the things that you want and the flowers you want to pick and what is the ceremony going to be like and what are we going to eat and what are we going to do and got to get everything lined up and all that. And then they're starting to dream. She's, she's thinking about what her future is going to be like with Joseph and Joseph's going to start his, his carpentry business. And then one day he's, he's going to build our dream house and then we're going to have kids one day. And all of these plans that you can imagine that Mary and Joseph are talking about and thinking about, and God interrupts the plans. God, in his most untimely, unfashionable way, decides, I've got different plans. And so if you know the story, an angel shows up to Mary and says, don't be afraid. Oh, woman, highly favored one. I have chosen you and picked you because you're going to bear my son. He's going to be, he's going to be the Messiah, and, and I want you to, to be the mother of the Godson, the son of God, the son of man. And I, I love the last scripture if you read that story because it says that she says, may your will be done. This is what she's saying. Yes. She says yes to Jesus. Yes, I'll, I'll, I will, she says yes to God. Yes, I will, I'll bear the, your son. Now, the Bible then walks us a little bit through it, but it doesn't give us all the details because I want you to imagine now, Mary's gotta go tell Joseph. Can we just like not like make this like a super spiritual story? You are a woman that just found, got an encounter with God, found out you're gonna be pregnant and you're gonna get pregnant, you got impregnated by the Holy Spirit and now you've got to go tell, go tell Joe, Joe, listen, uh, we need to talk. What's up? Well, I've got kind of like good news, bad news. Okay, what's going on? What, which one do you want? You know what? Shoot the bad news with me first. Okay, bad news. Um, I'm pregnant. What? Can you imagine how he feels in that moment. What? Well, you didn't let me share the good news. Oh, what's the good news? It's from the Holy Spirit. From the Holy Who? <laughs> It's from the Holy Spirit. Where does he live? <laughs> Think about this for a moment. Like, we, we over-spiritualize this story. Guys, if your fiance came to you and said she was pregnant, you'd be like, what the? Where is he? Who is he? And what's going down? And imagine in that moment, let's think just for a moment how Joseph feels. He's proposed to the woman of his, of his, of his dreams, he said, I'm going to marry this woman. And then he finds out that she's cheated on him, or so he assumes. He's devastated. He's hurt. He's mad. He's frustrated. He's got to be all these things. And we know that he is because scripture shows us. Look with me in Matthew chapter one. In Matthew chapter one, it says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way, that after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, that it was discovered before that they came together that she was going to be pregnant 
from the Holy Spirit. Now watch, in the next verse it says, so her husband Joseph being a, a what? Which by the way, all the single ladies in the house, if you're gonna marry someone, marry a righteous man. Okay, that's a huge deal. Because I'm gonna tell you what, if Joseph was a wretched man, this would not have gone down like what it's about to go down with. He was a righteous man, and thankfully, because he was a righteous man, he did not want to disgrace her publicly, which he easily could have done. He easily could have disgraced her publicly and said, can y'all believe what Mary did? But he decided that he wasn't going to do this as a righteous man, and he decided, you know what? I'm just going to divorce her secretly. I'm just going to, we're just going to kind of part ways very secretly. It's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be all right. So that's his plan. Now, think for a moment, watch this. We just imagine what it was like to be in Joseph's shoes. Think what it's like to be in Mary's shoes. Now watch this. Mary didn't do anything wrong. All she did was said yes to Jesus. Now, here's the question I have for all of us in here. Any of you said yes to following Jesus and life got worse? Any of y'all said yes to Jesus and it didn't go according to your plan? Any of y'all said yes to Jesus and people rejected you for saying yes to Jesus? Any of y'all said yes to God, like, God, I'll do it for you, and it didn't seem like it worked out the way that you had it planned out in your mind? This woman said yes to God, watch this, and she's about to lose the man of her dreams. Would you be frustrated with God if that happened? I know I would be. God, I've done everything that you asked me to do. I said yes to you. I said I would do what you want me to do. And now I'm about to lose the man of my dreams. Now my life is about to get ruined for forever. Like, yet again, let's think about how real the story of Christmas actually is. That these two people who had plans to be together and God interrupts their plans and throws it all into chaos. Now, here's the good story, though. The good part of the story is if you stay along, that an angel shows up to Joseph, just like an angel showed up to Mary, and an angel shows up to Joseph and says, don't divorce her. That baby really is from the Holy Spirit. It's not from the brother down the street. Okay, like, that really is, that really is the Holy Spirit. Because I mean, if you're Joe, like, God, you better show up and visit me. <laughs> you better tell me. Because I know what she said, but you better tell me. God's like, okay, I got it. So God shows up being an angel, sends a messenger and says, that is from the Holy Spirit. His name will be Jesus. You're going to see in just a minute. We'll read the verse. Okay. We'll read it in just a minute. Okay. So everything's somewhat settled back down, right? Okay. All right. I'm not going to divorce her. So they start, they start getting the, uh, the nursery room ready. Start figuring out plans. Okay. We're going to stay married. Okay. And everything seems good until Caesar Augustus issues a decree and says, everybody needs to go back to their hometowns and be counted for a census. There's a problem though. Joseph's from Bethlehem, not from Nazareth. 90 miles that they've got to go travel to get counted. Oh, by the way, she's nine months pregnant. Now, I don't know, who's a mama in here? Mamas, raise your hand. Mamas that have had, okay, raise your hand. Okay, y'all remember nine months pregnant? Come on, let's not over-spiritualize this. Let's be real here. Y'all remember nine months pregnant? Was that real? Was that real enjoyable? No. Exactly right. Now watch this. Now you got to travel. I mean, no, you don't want to travel anywhere but a hospital. Get this thing out of me. Oh, by the way, Joseph's got to go, hey, listen, we've got we've, we've, we've to go back to my hometown. Oh, it's 90 miles away. Some of y'all think, oh, 90 miles, that's not a big deal. Yeah, in a car. 
Okay, like when my wife was nine months pregnant, you know, traveling in a car with AC and leather seats was still difficult. Now imagine a donkey. Anybody? Anybody want to sign up for that one? Okay, 90 miles. By the way, it was normally anywhere between a week to two weeks to get there. A week to two weeks of traveling with a woman who's nine months pregnant? Let's just think about how serious this actually is. Then you've got to travel through the valleys and the mountains, which is issues of robbers trying to get after you, which is very proven if you know the story of of the prodigals, I mean, not the prodigal son, the, um, the, well, I'll skip over that, doesn't matter. But you finally make the travel, by the way, unpaid, so you're not making money for at least two weeks to a month, and then you get to Bethlehem to be counted, and she's going into labor, and Joseph forgot to make Airbnb reservations. <laughs> Come on, how do you know? That's like World War III with your marriage, just right there. You did what? We have no place to stay? No, we have no place to stay. And Joseph's desperate, so he's banging on every hotel he can. Please, please, sorry, we're booked. Please, please, sorry, we're booked. We finally gets to one guy, and he's like, listen, we've got a little place. It's a little rustic. It's a little varnished, if you like the barn look. And uh, hopefully, if you like some animals, you're going to love this place. And they get, and of course, we know the story. Jesus is born into the world. Yet again, let's, let's strip away all the super spiritual stuff. She had a baby. Any, ladies, do you remember having a baby? Hey, by the way, with no epidural. Yes. I mean, we think like he's the son of God, so it was just like he just came out and he's like, I'm here, and it was all good. I mean, no, she had to push. <laughs> push, Mary, push. And here comes the baby. Watch this. The prince of peace is born into this world in the dirtiest of places. Then to make the matters worse, the dirtiest of people, shepherds, come and they want to pick up your baby. And then to make it even worse beyond worse, you find out that the king wants to kill your son. Hey, watch this. Welcome to peace on earth. The prince of peace is here. How many know that ain't peace on earth? That's hell on earth. Yet again, let's just make the story of Christmas what it actually is, which was a train wreck. Yet, it was God's plan all along of what was going to happen. This is why this is so important for you and I. Because I know in 2023, many of you in this place had plans of what this year would be like, of what your family would be like, of what your kids would be like, of what your job would be like, of what your health would be like. And if we're honest, for some of you, those plans got jacked up. And it didn't go according to what you thought it went. And today, as we're talking and celebrating the Prince of Peace, I want to help you understand how to have peace when God messes up your plans. How do you have peace when it just seems like God is disappointing you? How do you have peace when you get a diagnosis that you weren't planning for? How do you have peace when you lose your husband in a tragic accident or the divorce happens or you lose your job? How do you have peace in that? Two thoughts today. If you're taking notes, I want to give you two thoughts. Number one is this, that you don't have to trust God's plan. You don't have to trust God's plan when you can just trust that he has a purpose. You don't have to trust God's plan to trust that he has a purpose. 
Read with me in Proverbs 19, verse 21. Proverbs 19, 21, it says this. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the, everybody help me, it is the what? It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I've got plans, you've got plans, we've all got plans. Mary had plans, Mr. Mary had plans, they all had plans. But I am thankful that God's purpose is greater than our plans. How many of you would be honest in here, and maybe if you're watching online, and would say that this year or even over the last couple of years, that God's disrupted your plans? Anybody? Anybody? Just a totally different plan. You weren't planning on it, and it just happened the way it happened. Maybe it was mistakes that you have made. Maybe it was stuff that other people did, and it ruined your plans. Maybe you woke up one day, and you had a plan of this, and it just didn't go according to your plan. Hey, here's what's good news, though. Here's what brings you comfort, is that even when your plans get messed up, how many know God's purposes never get messed up? God's purposes never get messed up. Even in your failure, even in your mistakes, even in, 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 in the things that you look like, there's no way I can recover from this. Know that you know that you know that God's purposes always prevail. Some of you have children that are wayward right now and they're far from the Lord. Listen to me closely. God is after them more than you even know. God is after them more than you know. Some of you are going through a diagnosis right now and you don't know how you're gonna get to it. Listen to me closely. God didn't cause the sickness, but God can heal it. Amen. God can heal it. God can bring comfort in it. God can bring peace in it. God can be there for you. This is what God does in the midst of it. And number two is this, that your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. Your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. Now, I can only use this from my story, and I'll tell you how this maybe has played out in my life, and maybe you can identify with it to some degree. All throughout my elementary years, my junior high years, and my high school years, I played baseball. I loved baseball with all my heart. I played it. I was really good at it. Um, I was planning on playing uh, collegiate baseball and then just seeing where that would go from there. That was my plan. It was my plan for my life. Was, I was getting really excited about the journey of what God was going to do through me in baseball. That was the plan. In uh, my senior year of high school, though, what was not the plan was that my family, my mom and my dad, would go through a divorce. That was not the plan. I didn't have a plan for that. Out of that, I ended up coming to Louisiana, which was not my plan to go to a summer camp that happened uh, in Broussard, Louisiana. That wasn't my plan, but it ended up happening. I came to Louisiana for a summer camp. It was not my plan that there would be actually a prophet that would be there at the camp, and he would look at me, and he would begin to prophesy that I was not called to go play baseball, but that I was called to preach the gospel. That wasn't my plan, but undoubtedly, that was a part of God's plan. Also, at that same summer camp that I wasn't planning on going to, but ended up going to, was a, a dinner for an internship that was a one-year internship to come and be a part of. I wasn't planning on coming, but God spoke differently, and I ended up coming to Louisiana to be a part of this internship. I did not have a plan of knowing that I was going to meet a guy named Bubba. That wasn't in the plan. This guy named Bubba was starting a church right here in Jennings and needed some help, and so that wasn't the plan, but I never planned on coming to Jennings, but I ended up coming to Jennings to help him start a church in the Holiday Inn because everything great happens in the Holiday Inn. <laughs> I never planned on meeting a beautiful Cajun girl at this internship or marrying her. We didn't really care for her, each other, for too long, but 
God pulled back my eyes to realize this was the woman of my dreams. Never planned on being married for 20 years, never planned on having three sons, never planned on being a part of our church here at the beginning, never planned on being the youth pastor and the kids pastor and the executive pastor. And now I never definitely ever planned on being the senior pastor of this church. But if it wasn't for my plan, you wouldn't be here today sitting in this room, me preaching to you because God's plan was better than my plan. Are y'all with me? God's plan better than my plan. My plan was never to live in Louisiana. My plan was never to marry a Cajun girl. And my plan was definitely never to drive a minivan and all those things happened. So be careful what you tell God that you won't do and be careful that what the things that you tell God you'll never do because sometimes in God's hilarity, he has you do things just to tell you this is his plan and it is his purpose for your life. Now this is a huge thing for us to understand though because Many of you that are in this room may have had things that have not gone your way this year or over the past couple of years. And I hope you'll find comfort in knowing that when you're disappointed with God, it could potentially be a divine appointment from God. When I was in the, we were in the middle of the divorce with my mom and dad, I couldn't imagine how hard that would be. But I have the ability now to stand with people who also have walked through divorce and say, I know how you feel. I never planned on my youngest son going through literally battling for his life, sitting in hospitals and crying out to the Lord and going, God, I have no control here. But now I get to sit across people who are going through also terminal illness and issues and go, I know how you feel. Because God's disappointments were also times where I met God in incredible ways. And if we're honest in here, all of us probably have had moments like this where you've been disappointed, your plans didn't go the way that you had planned. And maybe some of you right now are really mad at God because this year you had a different plan of how it was going to play out. But could it possibly be that maybe God was jacking up your plans because he's got better plans? So when all things look bad, hey, listen, just hold on. The story's not over. Because if they would have quit at any point in that journey, how many know if they would have gone 40 miles and Mary's like, I'm done, I'm out, or Joseph, or any of those, throughout the journey, if they would have quit in the middle of the journey, 33 years later, Mary, that little teenage girl who said yes to Jesus, it finally came to the culmination of she realizing why she said yes to God. Because 33 years later, she would stand at the foot of that son that she raised as he was getting nailed and pierced and his body says that he didn't even look like the figure of a man being nailed to a cross for the main purpose of the reason he came to this earth from the very beginning, which is found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, when the angel told Joseph 33 years prior Mary's going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Put that verse up there for me, Matthew, tw Matthew 1, 20, 21. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from, everybody help me, from what? Their from their sins. He will save the people from their sins. The angel told Joseph that before Jesus was ever born. 
The angel told Mary that before Jesus was ever born. And it took 33 years for them to finally come to the place where Mary is standing before her son as his side is getting pierced, as the crowns are getting put on his head, as his feet and, and hands are being nailed to a cross. And this is the reason why I said yes to God. And we're all here today because Mary said yes. And we're all here today, by the way, because Jesus said yes. Because Jesus wasn't forced to do it. Jesus gave his life for it. Jesus, the son of God, stepped into broken humanity. So I don't think God loves me. You know how much God loves you? He didn't shout it from heaven. He stepped onto earth from heaven. He came out of heaven to step into a broken world and eventually to give his life to tell you how much he loves you. Because he knew the only way you would ever get to heaven was not by going to church, was not by being a better person and trying to be good. The only way you were gonna get to heaven was to believe that Jesus took your sins on his body so that you wouldn't have to take it on your body. Hell is not a place that God sends people. Hell is a place that people go to because they won't believe that Jesus took their sins for them. How many know Jesus can pay for your sins or you can pay for your sins? You get the choice. And today for Christmas, we get to receive the greatest gift that's ever been given to us. And that is Jesus and his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. And do I have any people in the room or any people online grateful for the forgiveness and the healing and the grace and the mercy that Jesus gives? So maybe this year hasn't gone according to your plans. And you've been asking God, why, 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 why? Why? Maybe, just maybe, you need to stop asking why. You need to start asking what. God, what are you doing? What, do you, what is your plan? God, what do you want to do through me? Greater than that, what are you trying to do in me through all of this? So whether it was a health, bad health diagnosis, whether you lost a loved one, whether you made a major mistake, Jesus loves you. And the birth of Jesus is an incredible statement of that. Now, I want to end by asking you this. Think about this for a moment. The Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace came into the world. Now, have you ever thought about this? In the most unpeaceful way, in the most unpeaceful place. Think about this for just a quick moment. Most of us in here, when we think of peace, we think of calm conditions. Everybody needs to be at peace. Everything needs to be going good. I need to have good health. I need to have good relationships. I need to have enough money in my account. And that for us is peace. But Jesus stepped into, as the Prince of Peace, stepped into a world in the most unpeaceful way, in the most unpeaceful places. You know why he was doing that? Because he was going, he was trying to demonstrate and tell us that you can have peace even in the most unpeaceful places. The, the, the manger was the dirtiest, filthiest, most broken place, most humblest place, most poorest place, and yet the prince of peace was there. Here's why. Because God can give you peace that the world can never give you. And the reason why you can have peace in hard times is because the world can't take something from you that it never gave you in the first place. 
And the only way you can have peace in this world when you go through the storms and the fires and the trials of life is to surrender your life to the Prince of Peace. There is no vacation you can go on that will give you true peace. There is nothing you can drink, nothing you can take. There's no money that you can make. Some of the most miserable people are some of the richest people I know because there's no money in the world that can give you peace. Listen, you can't buy it. You can't, you, you, the only way you can truly get peace in this world is through the Prince of Peace. And today, I don't know what brought you here. I don't know for those who are tuning online, wherever you are, but the Prince of Peace is here to meet with you today. When people die, we'll usually say this. This is, our, this is the Facebook comments I see. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. But I want you to hear me very closely. If you don't know Jesus, you don't rest in peace. You don't rest in peace. And I would hate to know that you left the service without knowing 100% confidence that if you died today, you could truly rest in peace. But ultimately, here's, here's, here's what I want you to really understand. Jesus didn't come so you could rest in peace. He came so you could live in peace. To live in peace. Hey, listen, we don't get saved and then try to hold on till we get to heaven. I mean, no, God wants heaven to come down on earth right now where you're at right now, right now. So I want you to bow your heads in this place if you don't mind. And I want us just to come into this moment and the Lord has you here. The Lord has you here. Uh, maybe somebody invited you and maybe you said yes to the invitation, but the truth is that God's had a plan from the very beginning to get you into this room to have you watching online and click on that, that stream, wherever you're at right now, God so loves you. And the Prince of Peace is here. The Prince of Peace is here. And he wants you to have real peace. Not fake peace, not just calm situations for just a moment, but true inner peace. That you could leave out of this room, you could turn off this, this, uh, this service, and no matter if everything around you is breaking loose and it's terrible, that you can still walk in peace. And of course, that comes from the Prince of Peace. He is that for you. And I wanna, I wanna ask you for all of those that are here in the room, those that are watching online, so do you know that Prince of Peace? The Bible would say that, that for us to really know that peace, we must be born again. That's how the Bible describes it. That, that apart from Christ, we're, we're dead on the inside. That Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that were spiritually dead alive. That's what he came for. And if you're here in this room and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never said yes to him being not only your savior, but being your Lord, the master of your life. God has you here today to grab your attention and to say, hey, invite me in. The Bible says that, that Jesus is standing at the door, knocking, waiting to be received. Salvation is not something you earn. It's not something you deserve. You know what it is? It's something you receive 
And if you're here in this room or if you're watching online and, you've and you say, you know what, to be honest, Pastor Josh, I've, I've been running from God. I've been living life for myself. And I've never said yes to Jesus being the Lord and Savior of my life. But I want to do that today. Man, I want to give you the opportunity to receive the greatest gift you ever could on Christmas. And that is a new heart from Jesus. A relationship with him. And you can be born again and made new. And if that's you that's in this room, I want all of us to pray this together. I want you just to repeat this after me. There's no prayer that does this. There's no priest that can do this, no pastor that can do this. This is a moment for you in your own heart right there with you have with the Lord. Would you just repeat this after me? Would you say, dear Lord Jesus, today I recognize my deep need for you. And today I thank you for coming to this earth to live a life I couldn't live and for dying a death that I deserve to die. I recognize today that you did on the cross what I can't do for myself. You paid for my sin, my shame, and my guilt. And you rose from the grave to give me a purpose on earth, a relationship with your Father, and a new life in Jesus. Come on, I will you just say this today. Say, Jesus, I turn from my sins for you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me new again in you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Come on over.